This week on Against the Grain, it's mock draft time, and we have a shocking quarterback in the top four. We are cutting against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Against the grain. Now your host for Against the Grain. Against the grain. Here's Andrew Perloff. Welcome to Against the Grain. I'm your host, Andrew Perloff. I'm here with Marvin Prince, as always. It's an exciting time in the NFL. It's the conference title games, but it is also mock draft time. We're closing in on the Senior Bowl, which will be more like the Combine this year. The only time league-wide you get to see guys all together, and it's exciting. And you got a lot of free agent news that is percolating. We got a quarterback retirement in Indianapolis, Phillip Rivers, which opens up a big hole for a very good quarterback, by the way. So there's a lot going on. But Marvin, I want to start by talking about Deshaun Watson for a second. Now, Deshaun Watson has been seen wandering around my neighborhood in Brooklyn, uh, like all cool people, taking beautiful shots of the Manhattan skyline. So, of course, the New York talk radio is speculating he's coming to the Jets. He wants to be with the Jets because he's in New York City. Let me tell you one thing. Brooklyn, where I am, could might as well be 500 miles from the Jets facility in New Jersey. I don't think because you're in Brooklyn, that means you want to be a Jet. I think he just wants to hang out in Brooklyn because it's cool and it's beautiful. And why not? Uh, you with me? Oh, I'm with you. Absolutely. I think it's the equivalent of if all NBA players want to hang out in Atlanta. They don't want to play for the Hawks. Yes. So it's one of those things. Like they're, yeah. they're always down in Atlanta. Those are one of those go-to cities. And it's just like Brooklyn. Like you hang out there, yeah. but it's not like he's in East Rutherford. Yeah. Like, that'd be different. Yeah, he was in Brooklyn at a Nets game watching KD. That is a lot different. It's not even East Rutherford. The Jets are kind of out there a little bit. You know, the Jets players generally don't live in New York City. Brandon Marshall happened, I believe he was with the Jets. I, I, he might have been. Did he do both New York teams? Anyway. He, both New York teams. He was yeah, the- so he was uh, one building over. I tell the story all the time. I saw him when I was picking up sushi, and he's the biggest man I've ever seen in person. <laughs> uh, and this is totally name-dropping, but there are so many star athletes who wander around my neighborhood. I saw another one the other day. I won't give out names because I don't want people coming there hounding me for autographs. But, uh, you know, I, by the way, I'm di- if KD moves into my neighborhood and I see him, I'm actually having you come down to my house, and we're just going to hunt for KD all the time. How cool would that be to see him? So do we get weeks to shoot? Yeah. Weeks is our cameraman. Yeah. So do we get weeks to shoot us just searching yes. for Kevin Durant? Let's that absolutely <laughs> I was just say we should do a Brooklyn tour searching for Nets, except that you know where we'll have to go to look for James Harden. And I don't know if we want to do that on camera, if we're illegally allowed to bring it into one of those establishments. Maybe they'll have good wings yeah. where they look for what we'll be looking for. Okay, so Deshaun Watson, you know, I think that you're going to be, this is obviously the topic of the offseason right now. He's sending out these cryptic notes, uh, I think are lyrics from different songs. I think he sent out a common song the other day. Uh, He's obviously fed up with the Texans, their hiring practices. So there's two quarterbacks that are out there. To me, like, I don't know how this is related, but it's you have the Deshaun storyline and the Carson Wentz storyline are tied together. And to me, they're almost like the opposite quarterbacks. Like Deshaun... All he does is perform, and he does it like with incredible like grace. He always says the right thing. He's like the man in the building. He's a super nice guy. Carson, on the other hand, has not performed well, and all the media just portrays it as if he just can't get along consistently with everybody. I don't know whether it's true or not, 
But basically, it seems like he's entitled. Uh, he's not open to criticism. He's not open to coaching. That was all in the Philadelphia Inquirer. To me, Deshaun Watson's like the exact opposite. If I want to build around somebody in the NFL, if I'm the Jets and I'm like, wow, should I give up all that draft capital? Character-wise, Deshaun Watson's like the first guy I'm going to because from the day he walked in the NFL, like he got it. You know, some guys get it. Russell Wilson gets it. Tom Brady gets it. Aaron Rodgers gets it. Uh, I'm not saying Deshaun Watson is as accomplished as those guys, but you see, to me, there's a million guys who can throw 40 touchdowns. But the guy you want in your building is going to be something different. And if you're going to invest in it, to me, it's Deshaun Watson. I mean, I know that's hardly a hot take, but that's the guy I'm selling out for. I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but they were making a big deal about him wearing an Atlanta Falcons jacket. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that. What did you make of that? Well, no, (laughs) I don't think, again, it's just like visiting Brooklyn. I mean, he's from, from the Atlanta area, so come on. To me, that doesn't mean anything. But you look at those picks, though. The top four picks are all teams that could sure use Deshaun Watson. You got the Jets at number two. You got the Dolphins with the Tua situation at number three. Then Atlanta at number four. If you are the Houston Texans and Atlanta calls and says, I'll give you Matt Ryan, I'll give you the number four pick, I'll give you two first rounders in the future, you know, I think you probably want like a Calvin Ridley out of it too or something. Would you consider that if you're Houston? You don't want Matt Ryan. Come on. I don't want Matt Ryan. No, just keep Deshaun. But just keep Deshaun. Like make him happy. That's it. Like who does he want to hire? Dabo Sweeney? Oh, that was not available. Hire him I don't anyway. Think he wants that was sweetie. I know he he wants be out of me. I'm just saying, whoever he wants, just go just go get him. Like yeah. it's hard to find a franchise quarterback after years of TJ Yates and playing on, you know, Saturday afternoons in your wild card game every year. Uh, don't discount the remarkable career of Matt Schaub, by the way. TJ Yates filled in a couple times. But that was Matt Schaub's team. And my guy Case Keenan was there. No, you're right. The Texans have had trouble. Case Keenan was everywhere. Yeah, that's true. But he started out there. Uh, they had trouble getting stability. So what you're saying is the franchise quarterback is more important than the coach. Oh, absolutely. And are you saying that Tom Brady going to the conference title game also proves this? Gasp, yes. Yeah, you might be right. So although I'm, I'm a big system quarterback guy, it's a system. <laughs> Maybe it is the quarterback, but I'm still not convinced. I'm still sticking with the system. I mean, Tampa Bay... I I could throw to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. Oh no, who am I kidding? Brady's been amazing. I actually I don't even think he likes throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Godwin has really let him down of late. But that's aside. Antonio Brown. Uh, oh, we could talk about the Bucks. All right, do you have quick picks for the conference title game? We don't know what the real spread's going to be on Buffalo KC yet. Right. So just straight up. Yeah, go straight up. All right, I got the Bucks winning thirty-one to twenty. <laughs> How are they going to hold the Packers to 20? All right, go ahead. That defense, who's the linebacker? Devin White. Devin White is a stud. And Dude. I didn't realize he was that fast. He jumped off the screen. It was like watching like Ray Lewis in 2000 or like LT back in the day. It was like, whoa, that guy's way faster and stronger looking than everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out to Chad Henney. Hopefully Patrick Mahomes is healthy enough to play. And if he's healthy enough to play... I got the Chiefs. Mm, it's not even going to be high scoring to me. I'd probably say 24-10. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I don't think it's going to be a shootout, uh, which is interesting, which probably means it'll be 54 to Oh, for 47. sure. Oh, 
Yeah. Bet the score I just said will yeah. be after the first quarter. Well, luckily for me, I'm not betting on any of this because the Ravens cleaned me out last week. Way to no-show. The second play of the game, I'm like, oh, no, Lamar Jackson does not like this weather. I could tell in his face. He still threw some dimes, mm. and he had some plays, and they were rolling towards the end. But I think the Saints were going to win that game. And then just something – Jared Cook, oh, the wheels went off it. I, by the way, all this analysis, like everyone treats it like it's not a game that could go either way. And these teams, they're all so high level. A lot of these games could go both ways. Yeah, when it comes to like this part of the playoffs, that's why I respect the Patriots oh. and their dynasty so much because all it takes, I think I said this last week, it just takes one bad game. And for you to make nine Super Bowls and win six, like you could have lost that division. Remember, they lost a divisional game to – uh, the Jets one year. Yeah, they lost in the you know AFC title game to the Broncos one year. They've been so close so many times, and for them to win six, if it was a best out of seven, they probably have ten Super Bowls. In yeah. all in all reality, like if you're playing a series, Absolutely. like they have not even ten, probably thirteen, fourteen. So you're not going to beat them four out of seven. So that's why I always think. Like these games come down and But it goes both ways. Yeah, oh absolutely. The Chiefs, the Chiefs easily could have won that first championship game that they lost. Absolutely. When the guy was offside. So and we have a million examples. Yeah. Obviously Russell Wilson throwing that interception. Right. Tuck rule. Yeah, I mean, even the Rams, if Brandon Cooks had stayed in bounds, that game could have looked a little mm. different. You know, that wasn't a blowout. By uh yeah, I mean, by the way, it's what an interesting thing that they actually they did beat the Chiefs and they went on to get that last Super Bowl of the Rams. That was not a great Patriots team, and you're right. They just find a way to win. And Tom Brady goes out of Tampa Bay. It's the same weight. I'm like, that's not a great team. How'd they win that game? They just, right. Some reason, everybody falls in line behind Tom Brady and plays winning football. So, I mean, but these are all-time players, so they're exceptions. I think Deshaun is just, like, so special. I really want to build around him. If there's a chance to steal him from the Texans, I go for it. But the story today, draftable quarterbacks. There's a guy who is... Getting a lot of attention, but not getting a lot of top five attention. And I was reading my friend Ryan Wilson from CBSSports.com, NFL analyst, draft analyst, and he just went for it with this mock draft. Four quarterbacks and top four picks. Oh, I love it. I can read any mock draft, and I can read any mock draft with a lot of quarterbacks in it. Let's bring in Ryan to explain his rationale. All right, Ryan, let's just jump right into it. Uh, now, I've seen a lot of your mock drafts through the years and this year. To have four quarterbacks up top, I feel like quarterbacks rise throughout the mock draft period, but you're just jumping in mid-January, going for it. Now, is this uh, you know, is this something we think is going to happen, or are you sort of speculating here that there before? Like, Do you think this is going to be close to your final mock draft, or is this just a mid-January experiment? This is a mid-January experiment. I was sort of telling you earlier, Andrew, before we went on air, that this is my 20th mock draft. So I start with the college football season in September, do one every week. And that sounds crazy, but people love it yep. and or hate it. This week, they've definitely hated it. But, you know, Trevor Lawrence slam duck at number one. Then things get interesting at number two. I think Jets, realistically, at number two, should either trade down or um, have a plan in place that that doesn't involve taking a quarterback at number two. Because I don't. I like Zach Wilson. I like Justin Fields. like Mac Jones. I don't. I wouldn't take them at number two. But does that mean you have to sort of quasi commit to Sam Darnold? At least you know the money with Sam Darnold is that issue. So how do you balance that at number two? 
That's right. So they have to decide whether Sam Donald's their guy. And you have him for two more years with a fifth-year option if you choose to exercise that. You have two first-round picks, have a ton of cap space, and a new coach in, in Robert Sala. So those are all positives. But right, you have to figure out Sam Darnold. And if Sam Darnold isn't the guy, then yeah, if you love one of these quarterbacks and you really have to love them, then it, I think you do that number two. But you can trade down and then get one of these guys at 15 or, or wherever and get some more draft picks and, and either surround the, the new franchise quarterback with a, uh, a wide receiver, running back, an edge rusher, cornerback, whatever. Or again, roll with Sam Darnold. But I, right now, as I sit here, I wouldn't take a quarterback at number two, not named Trevor Lawrence. Okay. The real reason I'm most excited about this is Mac Jones at number four. Now, I see Mac Jones. I've been watching him very closely since he came in last year. And at first, I'm like, oh, this is just a system guy. He's taking advantage of all this talented receiver. But it's not like he's throwing five-yard passes and then Jalen Waddle's going to the house every time. I mean, he does a lot of that. He throws the ball downfield and consistently, and it's got a tight spiral. And I've given up trying to play quarterback, draft expert. Like, I don't get it. Like, why is it so obvious that he's not a top-five guy where other guys are obviously top-five guys? Welcome to the bandwagon, Andrew. I've been getting crushed months about Mac Jones because I'm with you well first of all he looks like me in terms of having a dad bod like he looks terrible with a shirt off that's unacceptable for a 23 year old like that's you got to fix that you got to do some sit-ups that doesn't help his case he's not mobile he's more athletic than he looks which is would be impossible not to be but he's not you know he's not Lamar Jackson he's not Russ Wilson he's not Josh Allen but you're exactly right like last year when he came off for Tua okay you're thinking AJ McCarron we get it just another Alabama system quarterback Dude is balling. And I've talked to folks in the league that think he is a top 10 pick. I've talked to folks in the league that thinks he is the number two quarterback in this class for the reasons that you've laid out. Yes, he's thrown a bunch of first round picks. I've talked to people in the Al- close to Alabama program that said he is better than Tua coming out of Alabama. And Tua put up all sorts of crazy numbers. And he was a first round pick, a top 10 pick, and for the reasons that he had a lot of success in college. Tua's not that athletic. Tua doesn't do what Russ Wilson does. Tua's mostly a pocket guy who can run if you need him to. He's not Josh Allen. And I think um, Mac Jones is incredibly smart before the snap. He knows where to go with the football. Mm. And, you know, I had a scout say he's basically an unathletic version of Joe Burrow in terms of his his rise from one year to the next. He is not Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow took a ton of sacks last year behind an offensive line that had four or five guys drafted. And some of that's just Joe Burrow making plays. And he's a fantastic player, and I think he's great for the Bengals. But Matt Jones doesn't take a lot of sacks. He gets the ball out when it needs to get out. Yes, he's playing behind a great offensive line as well. And, but you're right. I think the underlying story is that it's so hard to project how these quarterbacks, you just don't know what they're going to turn up to, turn into in the NFL. But on paper and with your eyeballs, Matt Jones has done, done a lot of really good things. And I got crushed more than anything about Matt Jones going fourth overall in this latest mock draft. We'll see. He may, he may end up sucking. But based on what I've seen him do, based on the people I've talked to, he's gonna, it looks to be a pretty good quarterback. Well, you know, you look around other mock drafts, you certainly see Mac Jones to the Patriots in the middle of the round. You see, I've seen him floating around. I've seen him top 10. I've seen him 30. Uh, you know, talking about dad bot, I mean, Tom Brady's the famous dad bot at the Combine. That shouldn't be a factor. Like, you can you can basically refute every Mac Jones argument. But it does, he's a three-star recruit. I think that stigma is with him. I mean, just, if Justin Fields wasn't the number one recruit in his class or one, two with Trevor Lawrence... I'm not sure that we would have been so sure that Justin Fields is a top five pick. So we, we get these ideas about quarterbacks and then we never let them go. But, you know, the Joe Burrow comparison, people, I, I've read that Burrow's more athletic. He has a smoother throwing motion. But you got to see the analogy there. I mean, huge numbers to these NFL receivers. It feels like Burrow is great. Why can't Mac Jones be great? 
That's the thing. And P- uh, again, he threw to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle when he was healthy and Mechie and, and all these guys. Go, go back and watch the games. I went back and watched uh, the Missouri game and I watched the Georgia game and I watched the, there's one more game that I watched, uh, the Florida game, I think. His throws, on his deep throws are so incredibly accurate. Even if Devontae Smith is running 10 yards wide open, he's still hitting him in stride. Yeah. And then he, he makes intermediate and short throws that puts to the players in position to get yards after a catch. We see it with, with Najee Harris on, on a lot of screen passes. You get screen passes in theory are pretty easy to make, but if you throw it one yard by, or a few feet behind the running back, as he's trying to move towards the, you know, the goal line that can upset the play. It could take what could be a 10 yard gain into a two yard gain. Yeah. And he time after time places the ball where very few of the quarterbacks do. And, you know, you have to sort of extrapolate because there isn't, there aren't a lot of data points where he's struggling <laughs> against uh, a heavy rush, but he gets the ball out on time. He knows where to go with it. And uh, I think that goes a long way as much as the physical tools as trying to project him uh, at the next level. And I'll just say it's without, whether he's the number two quarterback overall or not, that's a, that's up for debate. But for me, he is in terms of being NFL ready in 2021, number two behind Trevor Lawrence in terms of putting him out there to play. You know, all you draft experts are going gaga over Zach Wilson. I mean, uh, it's just, it sort of started, and I get it. As a YouTube scout, he's amazing, but he did <laughs> lose to Coastal Carolina this year, as my friend Brandon Howard points out many times. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't know if he was doing it at the highest level. I understand it looks good in highlights. Uh, you know, what What would you say to somebody who's like, he's, you know, th- it's not really there? I like Zach Wilson a lot. So he, he's had one really good year, last year, 2019 season. He battled with the injuries and he made some some suspect throws, the kind of throws that make you go, okay, what's going on there? But again, you'd rather have that in 2019 instead of 2020. And he has a great arm, one of the strongest arms for the strap class, incredibly accurate. He's very athletic. He can run, he can move in the pocket. And he reminds me, uh, and this sounds like a, a bad thing, but it's not. He reminds me of all the good parts of Baker Mayfield and Johnny Manziel coming out of college. Mm. Like that, what they did that that was exciting. Um, no sort of commentary on what Zach Wilson will be as an NFL player, but those are the things you sort of feel like you see when he's running around. And um, the other sort of knock on Zach Wilson that he, that he gets is that, and you sort of mentioned it, the BYU schedule. I get that. But last year I was all in on Jordan love and he, I watched every one of Jordan loves games at Utah state. He played the similar schedule as BYU did. And he had a terrible, terrible year by any mm. measure. And he'll tell you, you know, it was, you know, he didn't, it, teammates will tell you, he won't say it. He'll, he'll take, you know, he'll own up to it, but new offensive line, new coaching staff, a lot of playmakers have left, so on and so forth. But he, if you are on board with Jordan Love as a prospect with all his physical tools, you can't then turn around and say, Zach Wilson, um, that BYU schedule is, is a knock against him because he did everything he had to do except beat Coastal Carolina. I like him, but I don't like him as a top five pick necessarily, top 10 pick. I think uh, 10 to 15. And, and after that, we saw Jordan Love go late in the first round. Uh, who knows? Knowing the Packers, maybe they'll draft Zach Wilson. Yeah. What about uh, speaking of a guy who didn't do much this year? Obviously, Trey Lance only played one game. Uh, I I talked to people who actually saw him working out this offseason. He, apparently, he just looks really good throwing the ball. You know, I think teams are going to look at him, see the size. Where and I think he's a lot bigger than like a Zach Wilson and probably like a little thicker than a Justin Fields, much bigger than Mac Jones. I think someone's going to fall in love there. What What is your range for where Trey Lance goes? Five, starting at five and down. And you're exactly right, Andrew. It's going to be about teams falling in love with him because he played at North Dakota State, which is an FCS program. He didn't play this year except for that one showcase game against Central Arkansas, which is sort of a weird 
um, weird thing in and of itself. And you can't really take much away from that game. And he played an offense that was run heavy and they ran the ball a ton. That said, he flashed. He didn't have a turnover in 2019. He, he, he almost had one ball intercepted by Jeremy Chin, who ended up being the second round pick for Panthers, who had a really mm, good rookie season. I but love Jeremy that, Chin. Yeah. And Jeremy Chin, if you probably ask him, would be very angry he didn't intercept that ball. But that was it. I think it was 28 touchdowns, no turnovers. And uh, he can run. And you mentioned the arm strength. He makes a lot of good decisions. Um, and I know I, I've heard people say that his coaching staff put a lot on him mentally and he handled it without any issue. So when he gets up on the board at the combine um, or the, the Zoom yeah. call combine now, he's going he's gonna to impress. And, and I think you're exactly right. Team's going to fall in love with him. In fact, with this last mock drive, I had the Steelers trading up to number 10 Ooh. to get him. So uh, I think Steelers fans w- would love the idea of moving on from Big Ben at some point. Maybe that would hasten the process. But just the athleticism, the arm strength, and the smarts are all things that you fall in love with. I like him better than than Justin Fields for sure. Yeah, I must. I like that for the Steelers. Like for some reason, I have the stereotype that the Steelers need a big, strong guy. So like you can't have like Kyle Trask. Not that Kyle Trask is small by any means, but he's not a Steelers quarterback. Like Trey Lance is a Steel. You need a big. I don't know if the Steelers feel that way. Uh, but isn't it funny how you stereotype certain teams with certain kinds of quarterbacks? Like, and I guess it doesn't make any sense, but. You can't see, like, I feel like Atlanta is going to want another Matt Ryan. Right. Like, right. Why don't they just right. keep Matt Ryan? But what do you think of Atlanta? Do you think that they'll go in on a quarterback? I know you have Mac Jones uh, here. Yeah, so Mac Jones sort of feels like like Matt Ryan. Yeah, he's Matt Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, Falcons fans will tell you very angrily that he's not Matt Ryan. But uh, so I think it's a great job. I, I want to see, and this is my takeaway with all these coaching hires, uh, Andrew, is that Arthur Smith on paper is an X and those guy is fantastic by all accounts. But the transition from being X's and O's guys, and he's going to call plays, which I'm not crazy about as head coach, especially first-year head coach, going that transition from calling the plays to basically being the CEO, I think the biggest thing for me is motivating these guys. And we've seen guy Adam Gase is a perfect example. You know, a brilliant X's and O's tactician can't coach his way out of pair of bags as a head coach. So the players just don't respond to him. And I'm not saying that's going to be Arthur Smith, but I want to see how that mm. works for a, a young coach. I like the Dan Campbell hire for the Lions for that reason. What? But Get out of here. Here's why. Like, it's a complete 180 from Matt Patricia, who is, again, <laughs> yes. X's and O's guy, right? Yeah. And th- this is hysterical. Like, Adam Schefter wrote, th- wrote about this a few days ago. He said, uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, Dan Campbell doesn't know anything about X's and O's, but he's a great motivator. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I want to see if that experiment works, because then it will give some credence to the idea that you don't have to be a genius. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just football and, and you know, you're motivating guys to a lesser extent, like Mike Tomlin knows football, but he motivates his players. Right. Like, that's what you want. And that's incredibly hard to find. So I, I'm all in on the Dan Campbell experiment. Lions fans may be going like, yeah, we're, we'll pass. But I think the Falcons, to your question, to your question, um, Matt Ryan's going to come back for a year. I think his contract is such that they can't get around that. And they can yeah. certainly take like a, a Micah Parsons, a linebacker, a cornerback if they trade down. They could go in any number of directions to sort of um, make Matt Ryan's life easier. And, uh, they should be in the mix, but I thought that this year, you know, clearly the defense was a huge issue. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, you couldn't be more opposite than Matt Patricia and Dan Campbell, the nuclear physicist against the uh, tight end who had the five, uh, you know, that hair, the flowing hair during his career. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, it's funny because Eric Bieniemy is a total motivator. 
who, you know, didn't. But I was going to ask you about that first year uh, calling plays for Arthur Smith. Didn't McVay have success doing that? And I feel like Doug Peterson had success. I think Doug Peterson called in the first year. So I don't know that the history is against that. Because my theory is that the head coach, if he's a uh, play caller who gives up the play caller's duties, duties, just runs in on Friday and says, forget it, you're doing this, this, and this. So it almost ends up being double work. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Again, that's yeah. why I love Dan Campbell. He will never stick his head into a, a meeting room. <laughs> yeah. He's just going to. He'll be tackling the tackling dummy all day, and then when it's time to coach, he'll roll out there. Yeah, I think Sean McVay's an exception. Kyle Shanahan's an exception. Those guys are legit. Well, they're like all-time play guys. They're ridiculous. Yeah, but they're, you know, you, you do wonder, like, who gave a play guy? Like, Mike McCarthy, I think, was calling plays, and, you know, he got run out of Green Bay. It had a ton of success, but it just seemed like the game had passed him by at some point. I think Kellen, um, Kellen Moore called the plays this year, I yeah. think, in Dallas. So. Uh, he didn't Not well, there. by the way, but he did get an yeah. interview with the Eagles. Uh, I think Peterson called the plays. I'm pretty sure, like like Andy Reid, he took that duty over. I like Peterson, by the way, as a person. I feel yeah. like uh, this whole thing is a mess. I, yeah, what do you think about the Eagles' future? You know, the day we're recording, Philip Rivers retired, opening up the Colts and getting into a lot of... Uh, we talked earlier in the podcast about all the dead money and issues like that. Do you see... Uh, if you, you had to bet money on it, would you bet Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts next year, or even somebody at number six? Well, so it was weird the way they lost that Week 17 game because they went from number nine with the loss mm. to number six. So do they want a quarterback there? Are you losing to gain three spots to take a wide receiver, which you desperately need, which seems sort of weird? Uh, Jeff McClain of the, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, I think, wrote a, yeah. a story this week about sort of the divorce between Doug Peterson and, and the Eagles and Carson Wentz, and it didn't paint, paint Carson Wentz in the greatest light. It sounds like Carson Oof. Wentz is the guy. It sounds like he won the power struggle. That's great for him, but he's got to play 99% better than he did last year. And you can make excuses about the offensive line, the injuries, the wide receivers, but at the end of the day, you got to play better given that contract. Like if I were the Eagles at six and I didn't think Jalen Hurts was, was the long-term answer, I'd think long and hard about a quarterback. I would go into the season with Jalen Hurts as my guy, but I, I don't think that's how it's going to play out. I can't imagine a team trading for Carson Wentz or at least trading a lot for him because of the contract and because he, he's not very good. And by the way, our buddy, Will Brinson just pointed this out. He's going to be 29 next season during the year. Like he's mm. no spring chicken, uh, even though he hasn't been around that long. So I think the Eagles went from a relatively stable organization with a ton of questions, primarily by the departure of Doug Peterson and what it appears to be Carson Wentz winning the power stroke. You know, I, I read all the same things that Jeff McClain article was something uh, about the power struggle. But Josh McDaniels, I know, I kind of feel like he wants a really mobile quarterback. I know the Patriots reportedly wanted Jalen Hurts. They were eyeing him. You know, he had Tebow in Denver. <laughs> you know, I know that you want to recreate that. But I've always gotten the sense out of the building in Foxborough that they really want a mobile quarterback. Like, I feel like Belichick wants a mobile quarterback. They want to play with this. I don't see like Josh McDaniels as a immediately fixed Carson Wentz guy. Uh, so I, I don't know. I feel like they still could trade them. Some people, a lot of people have been tweeting me that the money is bad for the Colts, but not the end of the world bad. Yeah. I wonder if Frank Reich wants that. Cause Frank Reich obviously had a lot to do with yeah. uh, Carson's success in 2017 before he got injured. And there was some conversation that maybe Frank's departure had something to do with Carson mm -hmm. going South, but that's a good point about Josh McDaniels. And I've talked to Eagles fans who love the idea of Josh McDaniels. I wasn't sure how that would go over. But um, he clearly knows how to, how to coordinate up an offense. And you, yeah. as you've noted, he's done it with all different sorts of quarterbacks. And I haven't even thought about the Josh and Jalen marriage. And that actually is intriguing to me, much more so than Carson. But I don't know what happens to Carson because he doesn't like being a uh, second fiddle. And he's yep. sort of passive aggressively made that known. 
reportedly. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think if they get Josh McDaniels, that, that's a step in the right direction. But you still have to figure figure out what you're doing with Carson. All right, one more draft question. Because you have plenty of, I'm going to hit you up again later because you have a lot more mock drafts coming. But <laughs> this this was like just a user friendly mock draft because you went quarterback, 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 wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, right. it's a crazy. My concern about wide receiver, obviously, Devontae Smith's uh, a top 10 talent. But look at the wide receivers that are coming out in the second round the A.J. Browns, the D.K. Metcalfs, the Chase Claypools. Like, I don't know if I want to use that high draft capital when Justin Jefferson's going 22. Do you think teams are going to look at that and say they're the new running backs? Like we can wait and get a great one? That's a great point. And I think even last year, Henry Ruggs didn't go to the middle of the first round. He was the first wide receiver off the board somewhere. Yeah, 12, I think. 12, okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. And even, look, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waller are both better than Henry Ruggs, uh, who all played in Alabama. That said, to your point, I, I think you're exactly right. And there are so many guys that goes in, that go in rounds two, three, and even sometimes on day three that that have success yeah. that you can address other needs. So the Eagles, again, that's why it's weird that the Eagles would, would want to lose to get a number six if they're not taking a quarterback or maybe if they're targeting like an offensive lineman. Like that would that would make more sense because there's mm-hmm. Panay Sewell, the offensive lineman, and Rashawn Slater, the top two for me. Those guys will be gone by probably nine or ten. So that makes sense. But you're right about the wide receivers. Devontae yeah. Smith's issue is that he weighs 170 pounds. Yeah, you're gonna take you're gonna go number six for a guy who weighs 170 pounds. Is it gonna get beat up possibly? And and I've talked to folks who love him, but they also say how many 170 pound receivers who are six one have had a ton of success in the NFL? And it's no no one, I don't think. I don't think Deshaun Jackson's six one. He's probably five ten, five eleven. He's a little smaller. Like Brandon Cooks is smaller. So I mean, and Brandon Cooks, you're not taking either of those guys with the top six pick. Jamar Chase set out the year. He's not explosive, but he, you know, he's a con- contested catch guy, and he was the best wide receiver in the LSU team last year with Justin Jefferson. Who you talked? I know, about. yeah. But and then yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, but teams are drafting speed though. Henry Ruggs was went ahead of Judy and went ahead of Ceedee Lamb, uh, you know, and then Marquise Brown went really high too. So I think they want that Deshaun Jackson thing because these coordinators see, oh my God, I threaten him vertically. It's going to open up everything underneath. So with that being said, though, do you think the NFL is ready to take? Not they might be blind to that small issue and just see the speed. No, that's right, and. I think what's going to happen is these quarterbacks will go off the board. Some of these offensive tackles will go off the board and teams will be like, well, we have uh, Waddle, Demonte Smith, um, Jamar Chase ranked high. We'll take him at 10, 11, 12, or 13. Um, another name to keep an eye out for too, by the way, Andrew, is Kyle Pitts, the tight end from oh, Florida. Yeah. Tight end in quotation marks. because He's basically Darren Waller, but he yeah. doesn't block. But he he could be the best pass catcher out of this class. Like He is mm-hmm. dominant. Line him up anywhere, and he's an automatic game changer. So that's a guy. He may end up going. He may end up being the first pass catcher to go, which would be interesting. Oh yeah, Philly native like myself. I think he went to the same high school my dad did before he transferred. You know, that's <laughs> which Reggie Jackson went to also the same high school. Actually, nice. anyway, uh, I could brag about Philadelphia all day. Uh, all right, last question, and then I'll let you go. Pick six podcast in the octagon. You, Will Brinson. John Breach, I don't know if you want to put in a La Confora or I guess Pete Prisco, low center of gravity. Who comes out in a fight? Who's the toughest guy in the Pick Six podcast? Prisco will do anything. We've had this conversation yeah. before with him. He he'll like bite you, kick you, yeah. and you mentioned the low center of gravity. Uh, he's one. There's no way under any circumstances am I losing to Brinson. It, it yeah. requires any sort of physical. That was a given. I mean, I put Brinson in there to be nice. I'll give Breach. Like, Breach also is very nice, but he seems secretly, like, we joke all the time that he's, like, a serial killer. Okay. Like, a thousand cats. Yeah. So, I would imagine he's probably, 
packing a knife somewhere, or shiv in his, his underwear or something. So I'll go Prisco, Breach, Wilson, and then, and then of course, Brinson's last. Wow. You know, it's funny. I was, I'm glad I asked you that because I was going to pick you over Breach, but you're right. He is, you know, I listen to the podcast a lot and he has secretly got a screw loose. You have to look for it. Like it's not obvious. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But uh, no, Will, Will is like more likely to just tap out immediately and go drink a craft beer on the side, right? That's there's, right. yeah, there's no way. No. No fight. No yeah. fight in Brinson. That's right. All right. I appreciate the time. Yeah, I can't wait to revisit this, see how it changes over the next few weeks. Although you won't have a combine to change any of this with, which is probably, isn't this a good thing for the teams? Now they're not going to overrate the Wonderlic or the four. Well, there will be a Wonderlic, but they won't overrate uh, what they see at the combine? That, that is not a terrible point. That's a good <laughs> point. I've talked to I've talked to scouts before. And, and do you guys sit in the room and just analyze everything that happens all the time? You wouldn't believe it. So, yeah, it's one less thing to worry about. I love the senior bowling combine. So, selfishly for me, I'm yeah. sad that I won't be there because you get to talk to the players uh, more than at any other point. But, yeah, so, uh, but you know, these mock drafts going to keep coming no matter what, Andrew. That's It's like a, it's an unstoppable force at this point. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I tell Dan uh, that we should do the combine every year, even over the Super Bowl. It's so much fun. You get, I mean, you get to see Jay Gruden drunk awesome. or whatever. What I, I'm not throwing on names. But anyway. Uh, so much access. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you get to see the pick six crew drunk. I'm I'm assuming. <laughs> yes, maybe maybe we can act out the act. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to pin you down on that one. Uh, I appreciate the time. Yeah, we'll check in soon, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. All right, Marvin. I think we discovered something important there. Basically, the way we cover the draft, it's like teams who have one type of quarterback, everyone assumes they're going to get the next type of quarterback. So the Steelers have to draft a big guy because they had Big Ben. Atlanta has to draft a skinny guy because they had Matt Ryan. Uh, I think, the, I mean, the Jets are obviously, and Jags are an exception. But, you know, I, I think a team, you can't really, like Zach Wilson's kind of a small guy. So, like, he's a Baker Mayfield type. So I think you can't have a big, I don't know. Is this, are there any legs to the series? What do you think? No, I don't think so. I think they're just looking for the best available guy. But, but there's yeah. always going to be that comparison to the previous, you know, quarterback, no matter who it is. So I'm sure it was like that with, you know, Joe Montana and Steve Young. Yeah. Even though they were completely different. Like, oh, he's not like Joe. You know, he's a runner. He's lefty. You know, this, that, and the third. But I'm with you from that standpoint. But they shouldn't be looking for somebody who reminds them of – as far as playing style. Right, but, you know, say you're New Orleans and you had Teddy Bridgewater who's physically much closer to Drew Brees than Jameis Winston. Jameis is a big guy who throws downfield. Drew's a little pick-you-apart guy. That's what Teddy Bridgewater is. Then doesn't that make more sense to go to a Teddy Bridgewater than a Jameis Winston? I mean, you can understand the logic if it's the same coach. Oh, yeah, for sure. But if you're just looking and you're saying, all right, I think Jameis is a better quarterback, then sure, but... I, I, mean, I understand from from your side, though. Also, too, like you have to have a certain kind of offense. Like if you're running a like a West Coast where you want a lot of eight yard passes, you know, you're not going to bring in a gigantic like guy like a big arm Bruce Arians guy. Like I, I don't know. Then uh, ironically, Ben Roethlisberger threw nothing but five yard passes all year long. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm so psyched for mock drafts. Oh, I love it. Give me Mac Jones analysis. Give me Zach Wilson analysis. Talk to me about Justin Fields. That's all I want to do for the next four months. Are you in? I'm definitely in, but is Alabama now just getting five-star, big-time, first-round draft pick-type quarterbacks? Because before, in the early part of last decade, it was, let me surround this okay quarterback 
with just NFL talent. Yeah, Greg McElroy. Yeah. Right, 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 or AJ McCarron, Blake Sims. Yeah, so, but some of those guys were highly recruited. So you know, true. You well, can't you can't be a but, two star and go to Alabama. I I know what you're saying. Well, Bryce Young was pretty much the number one. The guy mm-hmm. behind Mac Jones, he came in a game and it wasn't pretty. And even Saban, mm-hmm. even after the game, it's like he's got to play better. Even though it was like some yeah. meaningless game. So I wonder. You know, I know him because. He was well, he was on one of the QB1 shows. He's been in a lot of different documentaries. You know that documentary about the Baltimore football team on HBO that I yeah. kept on winning at all costs or something? They played Bryce Young, and they were the best, second best team in the country. He lit them up like – he looked like Lamar Jackson playing a high school team. So, you know, he's mostly running, but he's really good. So I don't think he's a pro style, though, because he's only 5'11". We'll see. Then again, that might be a pro style now. Uh, right. Yeah, but it does seem like Alabama and Clemson are just going to out recruit everyone to the point where college football is just stupid. Which is, I, I'm okay with that. It's not the end of the world for me. It's just Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and add your fourth. Well, Oklahoma's in that. They, you know, they got Spencer Radler. They, they, and you know, the the committee moved them up to like six at the end of the year. Like yeah. Oklahoma's got that angle to get in there, and LSU's. You know, you got your LSU's and your Florida's and your Georgia's. Right. Although it's, they're just not going to be every year. They yeah. may be every three years yeah. where it's like, all right, all these kids are juniors now. Yep. All right. This is the team. It's right. Georgia. All those teams besides the three I just named. Right. And, but like you look at Clemson, you, the, do you know DJ is going to be number one in every mock draft? Oh, absolutely. Like he, so he was, is he a true freshman this year? I can't remember. But anyway, he, whenever he comes out, he's going to be a number one. And you know, that's why I kind of thought Zach Wilson might go back, but apparently he doesn't need to. He's like, Daniel Jeremiah was tweeting about him today saying, oh my God, the ball just flies out of his hand in a good way, like just pops. So anyway, it's going to be a fun time. We will be here for it. I wish you guys could, I wish this was on TV so you could see Marvin's baby blue Blue Jays sweatshirt. It is just. Thank you. Our guest last week, I told him light blue and red, I love it. Yeah. And I saw this Toronto Blue Jays sweatshirt and I had to get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, bit, I'm really a big fan of this color scheme. Yeah, I'm in a fight with Raheel, by the way. He keeps sending me down the wrong. He keeps telling me Deshaun Watson is quoting uh, different, different lyrics and making fun of me and being like, "This is from this song." So I Google it, and it's not the right song. <laughs> <laughs> He's just messing with me. Uh, but anyway, no, you're right. I might have to start taking some tips from you uh, because I love your your color schemes are good. But I, I, I'm wearing my Mario Effortings t-shirt, which I'm very proud of. This is, Anything that involves, we have a producer here, you know, from the podcast, Mario. We have like a whole t-shirt line of Mario because he's such a character. He is. Yeah. But Effording is when he, he when something's not happening that should be happening. Efforting. All right. That might be all of us, but I think of Mario. All right. Thanks for listening to Against the Grain. We'll be back next week. See ya. See ya.